Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast. If God took his Holy Spirit from your life, would you even notice it? That was the question I opened up this week's lesson on and beyond Sunday, and that's where I want to start this week in our after class. I mean, think about the question that I just asked. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from your life, what would be missing? Would you notice that? That's the question I was I was talking to our class about. And then I, I asked him a second one. I said, would your week have gone any differently had the sp- Spirit pulled out of your life? Now we know, let me just say for doctrinal clarification, that God is not going to remove his Holy Spirit from you. If you read the Old Testament and you heard David's cry in Psalm 51, you may think, whoa, don't take your Holy Spirit from me, God, but that's Old Testament. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is given to you at salvation. You are sealed according to Ephesians, and he is there and he indwells you. He is the earnest of your salvation, Ephesians says. He's not pulling out his Holy Spirit. But for the sake of an illustration, I wanted to, th- to think that way because I, I believe that many times we live our Christian life, our sanctification, as if we don't even know when the Spirit's speaking to us. And that's a sad, sad testimony. This week, we it got a little ugly in our class, not with the people, not with the students, not with the those that were listening, but... We started talking by walking in the Spirit. That's that's great. Boy, do I love talking about that subject. And we mentioned that walking in the Spirit, it means to depend on Him consciously for everything that we do. And that's why I asked the question in the front. Because if you don't even realize the Spirit of God would be in, the, in a hypothetical situation, if you wouldn't even realize that the Spirit of God's removed, then you're obviously not depending on Him. It indicates that you're going somewhere, a destination, the will of God. It's dependence upon him when you walk. It's placing, just like when you walk, you're placing one, you're placing all your dependence on one leg at a time as a step, as you take the steps. And then it's a continual activity. And I said so often we talk about, hey, just got to take that step of faith. And some people do take that step of faith and then they stay right there and it's just a step. It's not walking. And we got into all that. But then everything changed because we got to from Galatians 5.16, one of my favorite verses, but this I say, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Such a great verse for sanctification. Then we got to the next verse where it says, and I don't have my Bible open to that passage because I get to the passage that we're going to go to today in our after class, but he says, For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. And we learned that there's a daily battle that goes on in our hearts, an absolute daily battle, just like a daily battle between my two dogs is going to go on in this house. And so they've been wrestling all morning. You may hear some barking. You may hear some some things like that. I'm not killing anybody in the background. It's my two dogs on their daily battle. But anyways, so you get the flesh, you get the spirit in this daily battle. And this week's focus was, and I said, the flesh is absolutely no match absolutely no match for the Holy Spirit. No match at all. But it's who we yield to. You know, I got sidetracked this way. I'm going to get sidetracked right here. I was about at 8.30 every morning. I, I get in. 
I get an email with the news briefs. It's called Morning Brew. If you want that, I will send it to you and I get benefits for it. So if you want it, don't go sign up by yourself. That's that's so boring, all right? If you want it, then let me know. I will send you a link. You can sign up and I get like a t-shirt or something, all right? But anyways, I was reading down through that. And while I was reading, I read that the world's champion in chess lost to an American. He hadn't lost in like 58 matches. He hadn't lost in I don't know how many years when it comes to slow chess. I don't know. I know how to play chess. I don't I don't study theory. I don't do anything. But on that day at 8.30 in the morning, I listened to this. And, and I started to research it. I started to go down a rabbit hole that took me all the way till 12.30 at night. In the morning is kind of how it is, but I guess. But to, I was I was reading it all the whole time. Now, I shouldn't say the whole time. Okay, let me. That was an exaggeration. I'm not an exaggerating person that often. But I meant he was. I was reading it off and on and watching videos, and then I was playing chess. And because an American who is not ranked in the top ten, who really wasn't even invited to this tournament, but because someone dropped out, he got a late invite. And he beat the world's number one. And everybody was saying he cheated. And he still may have. And, and, and it was such an unlikely victory that nobody would have predicted it. And even, I guess, if you know chess theory, which I'm learning it, but I don't. But the, the line that the Magnus took, and it was impossible for this guy to memorize enough moves to know how to beat that. But somehow he did. It's why they say he cheated. It was so crazy that he won. And why do I say all that? Number one, because I've just been obsessed with chess lately. But number two is because that's even likelier than the flesh actually beating the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's God. But we see the Holy excuse me, we see the flesh victorious so often. Why? Because it's a choice. It's who you choose to yield to will get the victory. And we looked this week, and it got ugly, but we looked this week of when you yield to the flesh, here are 17 sins that you can expect sometime. You may not do all of them, but the flesh, when it has its purpose, it leads this. And, and Paul just lists out these sins, and it was, and it was, it was, gra- we got, we got pretty graphic with it. It was, it was crazy. But all of that to say, that kind of led me to thinking about this passage for our after class, one that's very similar. Colossians has got a passage that's very similar to Galatians chapter 5. Colossians chapter 3, and I've said this on my this podcast before, is one of my favorite chapters. Galatians 5 may be up there, but Colossians chapter number 3. I won't teach through the whole chapter. I've taught on this podcast through the first four verses, really even in thinking this series. That's that passage where he says, if you're risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, the right hand of God. And he says, set your affection on things above, not on the things of the earth. If you're dead and your life is hid with Christ. And I did mention this recently. He says, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear. It's, it's four verses packed with your new position in Jesus Christ. You are a child of God. You've got a brand new position in Christ. Now, But in verse 5, he says this, mortify. Now, we use that phrase in the sense of something being scared. I'm mortified. But this word mortify in the Greek means to kill. 
So he says, mortify there your members, and he's talking about your church members. No, he's not talking about your church members. He's talking about your body, your flesh. And he's not saying literally kill yourself, but you need to kill, and he's going to describe it. So let me just keep moving. You'll understand. He says, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication. So he's getting into the sins of the flesh. He's basically saying, don't allow the flesh to dominate and win. Kill that sin. And then he lists some similar sins that we discussed this last week. You can go back in the podcast to hear all those, but let's read these. Fornication. Again, I'm going to define some, but not all of them. I'm going to define maybe some of the newer ones. You can go back and listen to the lesson. You'll hear more. Fornication is is a general word for that includes all types of sexual sin. And we talked about in the Galatians passage, like the first four sins he mentioned were all in sexual in nature, which is dominating our culture right now. But here he says fornication. Then he says uncleanness. We discussed that one. And then he says inordinate affection. Inordinate affection was not in our original study. And so I started to look that up on this one. And in one guy, he's kind of a really strong, very conservative commentary. And I, and I read him and he talked and he said, let me just read it to you right here. He says this, the word translated inordinate affection, and he gives the Greek word as pathos in this context, very likely may be a euphemism for homosexual activity. That's what he mentioned. Then I looked at another commentary that my, one of my go-tos, Warren Wearsby, not as conservative as that man. But uh, Warren Wearsby says about this sin, and I had it here in a second ago, he says, inordinate affection describes the state of mind that excites sexual impurity. The person who cultivates this kind of appetite can always find opportunity to satisfy it. So a little bit more broad in his, a little bit more, but it's it's still, it's sexual in nature. Now, if you're trying to, so if you're using that passage as a proof text, against homosexuality may not be the best, but there's plenty others in the New Testament. People always say it doesn't talk about the New Testament. There's plenty other places in the New Testament that talk about that. And so sexual sin, he says, mortify it, put it to death. Don't allow it to be a part of your life. He says, evil concupiscence. Concupiscence is not a word that we used a lot. So uh, go back to my conservative commentary. He says, Evil concupiscence, which literally means evil lust, likely refers to all sexual thinking outside of the marriage bond, which produces impure lust and arousal. Very, very, very probably safe definition, I think, there. But let's let's just go over. I didn't look at this ahead of time, but why we're doing this, why not? Evil concupiscence, Warren Wiersbe says, means base evil desires. It's clear that the desires lead to deeds, appetites, leads to actions. If we would purify our actions, then we must first purify our minds and hearts. So again, I think it's got the idea of impure thinking in our mind. So he says, he says, put that to death. Now back to Colossians 3. Then he says covetousness. We, I think we discussed that one. Idolatry, we definitely discussed that. But then he just makes a summary. He says, for which things the sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. These are sins that God... The wrath of God is poured out on. It shouldn't be a part of our lives as Christians. He says, he says to him again in verse 7, in, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. He's saying there was a past time when you lived in that before you were saved. So why are they a present part of your life now? He goes on in verse 8, he says, but now. So he just said they were a part of your life, but he says now... 
put off these. And then he lists some more. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Those cuss words. The Bible doesn't list the specific words, but filthy communication. If something in our society today is considered filthy communication, then it would be classified underneath this right here. Then he says, lie not one to another. Seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, he said, Why, you've already put off that old That's your old man. Why are we going back to that stuff? And he says, and having put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him which created him. He said, now we have a new nature. The Holy Spirit is he's kind of referencing in, in, that resides in us. And, and he's creating us after the image of him that created him, uh, which I love I, I love that that thought and how it words it here. Let me just read it the right way because I read it wrong there. He says, "Now put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him." And then he goes on in verse twelve. He says, "Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy." Some people think this is the Colossians version of the fruit of the spirit, but he lists some great things that I'm going to hopefully get into next week in our study over in Galatians. But he says we should, instead of all of the sin that's been mentioned, he says we need to put on a bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. And, 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 then I'll kind of, and then verse 14 is where we're going to see our first fruit of the Spirit. Above all these things, put on charity. That's the word agape. Let's love, which is the bond of perfectness. It brings unity. But then let's just wrap this up on 15 and 16. Two verses you've heard me talk about on here. Two verses that I absolutely love. But let's think about these verses in context of the lessons that you've heard us talk about. He says in verse 15, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. What is that peace of God? I believe that is the peace of God is the spirit of the spirit of God gives that peace. And you know what happens? What does the spirit do when he does not want you to do something? There's no peace. You feel unsettled. You just don't feel right about it. Something's not right. Something's off. You feel unsettled. Who's making you feel unsettled? Sure, there's a conscience, but it's the spirit of God. So the spirit of God, how are we going to know the peace of God? When you're in communion with the spirit of God, which was last week's lesson. So sanctification is so much dependent on your relationship with the Holy Spirit, which is what I've been emphasizing this whole series. But then let's finish verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. What have I been saying? Last two weeks ago, we've got to meditate on the word of God. We've got to be in the Word of God, studying the Word of God, allowing it to become a part of our lives, meditating on it. And I said, God promises to bless Bible meditators, not Bible readers. We need to be studying, meditating, thinking on the Word of God. In Colossians, he says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word dwell means to be at home. Let it be at home in your life. So, this week, we, we, it got ugly. We're talking about the flesh. I know that it feels like in this series we've spent a lot of time on the flesh. But it's because every day when you wake up, you have a daily battle. 
and the flesh is going to try to dominate your thinking, your actions, to convince you that you need to and you have to and you must go down this path to fulfill your desires, whatever they may be. But the Spirit of God is more powerful than the flesh, will equip you and empower you to live the victorious Christian life if you yield to Him. So the choice is yours. Will you choose to yield your members, your body, your life to the Holy Spirit or to the desires of your flesh? I'll tell you this. When you yield them to the desires of your flesh, you're never satisfied. The flesh will always ask for more and more and more. But when you yield yourself to the Spirit, there's joy and peace and satisfaction. And hopefully, this next week, I'm going to spend some time and study right after I record this and and hopefully the next week we start to get into the fruit of the Spirit. I say hopefully, it's really whatever God wants. I thought I was going to get into it this week, and I just didn't have peace about it, like we just talked about. Uh, and I was going down through the text in Galatians, and really the next thing we needed to talk about was this daily battle and the works of the flesh, and so we did. But I hope, let's, let's finish where we started. I, I hope that you could say, if God were to withdraw His Holy Spirit from you, you would immediately know it. You would immediately know it. And I hope that this week, whenever you're listening to this, at this point in the week, that you have spent some time with God and in communion with the Holy Spirit that was given to you at salvation that is changing you to be more like Jesus Christ who wants to communicate with you on a daily, moment-by-moment basis. It's battleground today, and I hope, I pray that you are winning that battle. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Hey friends, thanks again for listening to the podcast this week and throughout this series, just being a part of it, and it it means the world to me. If it has been a help to you, would you do me a favor? Would you... Leave a review wherever you're listening. If you're on Spotify, you can hit like a star, four or five stars there. If you're on Apple Podcasts, you can do the same. Maybe even write a review if, if you're open to that. That that helps get the, the message that we're talking about. This is a message that I'm passionate about, this series that we're doing. But it helps to get it out to more people in the algorithm world. Apple or Spotify, when you hit like on that, says, hey, we need to give it to more people. And they will do that. So if you haven't already, many of you have, but if you haven't already, please, um, please do that. And then if you're interested in the, in the things that I'm writing, I write a Monday newsletter every week. I've been going pretty strong for about 67 weeks and I'll send it out. It's not always the best. I'm learning, I'm growing, but I give a recap of, of all the studies we did in the week. And then I usually give a little thought either on life or a biblical principle drawn from life. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes I try to be funny and it's not. I just, I'm, I'm learning and I'm trying and I'm enjoying it. And if you want to be a part of that, you can sign up. We had one new subscriber this week. And if you want to, that'd be great. Go to bradmcclure.org. I think that's it. Have a great rest of the week. We'll see you on Sunday for our next study in our Beyond Sunday series.